You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back to the War Chant Game Day post-game show. He's Gene Williams. My name is Tom Lang, and we both came in just under the wire there at the break <laughs> a quick reminder folks that pre-game post-game or no game at all anytime is the right time for zaxby's platters just as long as you're hungry feed your team with your choice of traditional or buffalo fingers or boneless or traditional wings if you're having trouble deciding get the best of both worlds with a sampler platter and don't forget that world famous sauce satisfy your chicken craving today with zaxby's platters yours tallahassee zaxby's a proud golden Chief booster for 17 years go Knowles. Gene, what you got tonight? Cheers. Uh, nothing special. Getting over a little food poisoning, so I'm not really going to be drinking beer tonight. Ooh, well, enjoy your water, sir. I will have a... Yeah, no, uh, I did tell... When they were up 14-7, I said, my stomach be damned. I'm going to drink anyway. So... I had uh, promised some of the folks who came out to Hotel Indigo today that I would do uh, two shotguns of a beer if the Florida State won, but... Uh, ooh. The second one would be at the sign-off so that I would be able to conduct. All right. All right. Well, that's impressive. Thanks to everybody who's hanging out with us on War Chant Game Day's post-game show. So, Gene, um, where do you fall in, in, this, in the scope of moral victories versus just, you know, no excuses? Uh, how do you feel about tonight's game? Yeah, I, I, there's no moral victories anymore. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. In the late 2020, maybe some early last year when you were kind of coming back, you're like, okay, at least they're coming. I mean, when you're getting blown out like they were in that 20 season, there wasn't such thing as moral victories because every game you're getting embarrassed again. So there was that, but I mean, they're well past that stage in my mind. This is a team that should be a winning program now. Um, they're not elite, but they're pretty good. I, the problem is not so much the moral victories. The problem is that we can see this. We see the tangible improvements. Just watch the game with your eyeballs. Look at the stats, look at the PFF, look at any objective criteria. This team is improving. They're getting better and better slowly and surely. But at the end of the day, you know, you are your win-loss record. At least you are in terms of your perception of how good you are. So, you know, fans are, they can only take so much of that. Recruits are going to look at that. Boosters are going to look at that. Those people who buy the tickets, who advertise, who pay all the money. At the end of the day, it's about your record. So it doesn't matter how well you look or how well you play or how much you've improved, man, you got to start winning some of these games. That's why when you let a game go that you had, it's so important because it's light years difference between being five and two and four and three. Yeah. It just is. And I, I'm going to, I feel like Tom, I'm going to be all, saying this every post game show all season. I would go back to that game because I just, whether they end up with seven wins, eight wins, whatever it's going to be, you're like, how much different would it have been had they not, pissed away that yeah aka in the whiz palace the nc state game that they had 
in their pocket. They just completely gave that game away, and it's it's going to bug me all season because it could cost this program a lot and cost Mike Norvell in terms of everything. Yeah, what I'm looking forward to for the next you know portion of this season is um, we're going to assume that Fabian Lovett will be available in the second half of the season. He wasn't available tonight, and that was yeah. a bummer. Um, and I had heard Clemson, I guess we can talk, I heard they were shooting good. They were hopeful when this started, they were shooting for the Clemson game. So unless he's had a setback and it wasn't sure they were hoping. So I really think there's a really good chance he will be back for Georgia tech in two weeks. I think so too. When you combine that player gene with Jared verse and the, and the player that mm-hmm. Patrick Payton has become. Uh, McClendon got a sack tonight as well, but he looked, he looked feisty out there today. McClendon. I liked it. He did. Um, that becomes a defensive line that can kind of set the tone and, and, and change some things for what they want to do on the back end. You know, if you have a really dominant defensive line, all your corners and safeties look really talented and, and skilled and they get downhill on the ball because quarterbacks just are, are facing their own personal nightmare. And we saw that with the LSU game with Fabian available and, and how much mm-hmm. of a difference he can make oh, yeah. up the middle. I look forward to seeing what this team will be when they get some of these pieces back, Gene, in short, because – you know, Trey Benson had a really good first half. You mentioned him. He only had the one carry in the second half. Lawrence Tofili ran the ball really hard tonight. He did. So you get Trayshawn Ward back in the mix. I mean, that is now a true three-headed monster. Um, you know, Robert Scott it clearly is not 100%, so this bye week is going to do him well. It's just I think this group can gel together and be pretty formidable for the final five games of the season. It's just you're you're right. At this point, the best you can do is nine wins. It would be more fitting if Florida State had a chance to run the table and win 10 out of 12 games. They just don't get that opportunity now, and that's their own fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's their own fault. Coaches, Mm -hmm. players, up and down the line. So that that casts a pall over what we're doing right now is this three-game losing streak is what we're talking about. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You know, there's – again, I I had to get back to it. I know that fans are frustrated, but – Look, there, you could have made this a more competitive game. You could have put yourself in a position when we've talked about a lot of stuff they screwed up on special teams, some of the play calling in certain circumstances, some players not executing when they had a chance to. I get it. But at the end of the day, Clemson is, is a better – they're a healthier team. They're a better team. They're a more experienced team. I mean, DJ's come a long way from that quarterback I saw last year. Credit to him. He's much better. He's not a great quarterback, but he's very good for what they run at Clemson. It gives you, uh, obviously, that edit element. They've got a. They're not. They don't have those elite receivers they had a couple of years ago. They're good enough. Shipley's a, a stud, and they got those. They got those five stars all over the defense. I mean, they're really good there. Which I was just scoring those fourteen points early on. We really should have scored seventeen. Those first three drives. I mean, that was impressive the way Florida State was moving the ball against that defense. Yep. Um, so again, I'm not a moral victory, but you know, I, I, you are not. You're going to play this game. What does Dabo say? You play it ten, t- not ten times. You win whatever you win. You know they're going to win eight times probably on that. So I mean, if you coach well, you execute a little bit better. Maybe a chance to win this game. You didn't do those things, but again, I don't felt like NC State. You're a you're a better team. You outplayed them. You should have won. You yeah. didn't win that game. This game they outplayed you, man for man. So they, I don't feel as bad about this one. Yeah, to me, you know, there are certain things that, that happen in this game where you say oh, that's just a, a better player making a play. For example, a strip sack is that's a really good rush end making a play yep. on a tackle who's not 100 percent. And even at 100 percent, he's not going to be first team all ACC either. That's a better player making a play. You kind of just tip your cap at a flea flicker. I mean, I'm sure that's what LSU had to do. Well, that was a smart play coming off of that. Basically a turnover there. You yeah. know, what, that was off the kick. Was that off the kick or that was off the uh, 
That was off the kick, yes. Kick. Yeah, off the kick. So, I mean, you, you had all the momentum. I mean, that's smart when a coaching staff does that, and they do the quick, they come out with a killer shot. So, that was a good call. That's different, though, than, you know, when drives are short-circuited or, you know, plays aren't made because either mm-hmm. you commit penalties or your discipline is off. And there's a mixture of that in this game for Florida State. Uh, the big positive, again, and the shocker to me, is just how Florida State was able to run the ball and dictate yeah. in the first half running the football. That was an eye-opener, and and maybe that's the positive for some weeks to come, but we'll see. Uh, again, there's a whole lot of work to do. Florida State has the bye week to mend wounds. They're certainly not even close to 100%. We'll get you as many updates as we possibly can on some of the guys who left the game. Uh, I know Jared Verse left and came back and left again. Uh, Johnny Wilson left the football game after being hit. on. He adjusted back, made a big-time catch down the field in Clemson territory, and then limped off the television screen, and we didn't see him again. I thought they said oh. he came back. I mean, Did maybe someone in, the, okay. someone in the chat can say something. I didn't see it, but one of the broadcasters said he had come back in the field after that. I don't know if someone in the chat can maybe help us out okay. with that. Could have swore Herb Street or Fowler said that he came back after that. So, Well, that would be key if he yeah. did, but still, I mean, he's It looked been- to me like a Charlie horse or something, maybe more than a – yeah, and injury. he had been mending something from, uh, you know, early in the season. And that was the Duquesne game. So, you know, again, this is the time of year where you play three top 15 opponents in a row. You're going to yeah, Wilson came back through. there saying in chat he did. So okay. that's good. Well, that's really good news. I didn't see that. And so, folks, you made my night. Thank you, Yuck Mouth uh, and others who have responded. to. Hey, team before, I know we want to take phone calls here real quick. And I had absolutely no. I saw some people in chat. Of course, they get upset about any play that doesn't work. When they had two one on ones in a row with Johnny Wilson down on the goal line. I was fine with that. I would have run that four straight times. The thing I have the biggest problem with is Jordan. Put the ball. Don't put a little air under that thing. The worst thing that's going to happen, it's incomplete. A six foot seven guy who's 230-plus pounds is not going to get jumped over by the defensive back to get that ball. Throw it. If they give you that one-on-one, you're not going to run. Every time they try to run in the short side of the field or down the middle, they're never going to do that against Clemson on the goal line. That play was given to them. So, I mean, I assume you are perfectly fine with that play being called over and over. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, the what you're talking about, that pass interference is the perfect example. That ball is late. If it's on time, it's a touchdown, but it's late. Yeah. And it's high enough that, guess what? There's only one thing the defender can do. Interfere. It's interfere, it's incomplete, or it's a touchdown every time you throw that with a one-on-one coverage with him. I, yeah. I just don't see. And, and something crazy happening, but 99% of the time, it's one of those three things. Yeah, the next two are just not catchable footballs, and and that's that's the hard And that's part. on Jordan. You gotta, it is. You got, you, he's got to learn when he's got a guy that size with that ability, man. You've got to put some a little bit of air into that, give him a chance. There's a lot of things on Jordan tonight, but then he also made some plays, like that first touchdown. That's invented out of thin air. I mean, that's, that's a one-on-one in space. That's a really good athlete. He makes look silly. And he ends up trotting into the end zone. So it's yeah. the good and the bad, but you've just got to eliminate some of these quarterbacking mistakes that he's having, Gene. And I love the fact that we can discuss Jordan Travis as a normal quarterback and not this gadget player. Yeah. But he has to clean up some things that a standard quarterback mm-hmm. can handle, like the fourth down decision. I mean, wh- why do you believe that that's open over the top? It looks like it's blanketed from every replay that ABC showed. We'll take a look at it. Like I said, remind me of the decision at the end of the NC State game. I don't understand why you need to take that shot in that situation. You got to understand your situation. Yeah. Read the room. You, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with a three-yard little short route or run to the outside and pick it up, run out of bounds. It's fine. We've got a lot of people to thank here, too, on War Chant Game yeah. Day, the post-game calling show. I see Ben has them lined up. So go ahead, Ben. Uh, for those of you that have contributed to us at Warchant TV, we are eternally grateful. And uh, let's see who we have first up. Clayton, 
The only quit tonight was the fans in the stands. Yeah, well, that was that was depressing to see. I, I thought how cool that would have been. Of course, we wanted them to come back and win, but imagine if they would have come back and win that. It would have been like the choking doke, all the fans that left that thing. Because I saw those fans leaving, and when they got down within six points, I'm thinking, oh, boy, and all the fans who were going crazy in chat and on the message boards. Would have been a lot of fun to see that, too. Good point, Clayton. Thank you very much. Uh, to John Mulvaney, ban Jeff from betting against FSU. He's bad mm -hmm. juju. I'll do my best. I'll go talk to Jeff about that. We'll see how it goes. Uh, he won't listen. If he cashes, he won't listen. <laughs> no, you got to pay him more than that. To uh, <laughs> yeah, I went, I went for four for four in my prize picks, though. I will say that on uh, on my there FSU. You know. I had a little two for two ski, Gene. I had the over on Johnny Wilson, the under on DJ's rush yard. So that that was good, but I'd rather have the win instead. Josh, yeah. thank you. The running backs were nearly unstoppable tonight. It stunk not going to them more. Do you guys think Norvell yeah. tries to go to the running backs more like last year? in our upcoming games. I think, Gene, this has to be eye-opening for that offensive staff to say, well, if we can run on this group like that, who can't we That's run? the best defense you're going to see by far. And you ran for over 200 yards. Uh, you might want to go with that a little bit more. I mean, now that you've got some you got some legit running backs, you guys, they seem to be almost better run blocking than pass blocking. I don't know. You can look at the bigger film, and maybe D-Rob can do something on that. But to me, it seems like lately I'm, I'm – they seem better run blocking for whatever reason. Because there were some, it wasn't just a running back. There were some nice holes on some there, of those. There runs. were cutback lanes. They saw the yes. cutback lanes as well. And, and uh, imagine what it would have been if uh, the turf monster doesn't get Benson on that one play. He oh, might have housed that one. He might have. I don't even know why he cut up towards the right side of the field. It looked like he had it straight away. But well, I think there was a better chance he made. I think he was thinking of he can cut back, he can get around the end and maybe just house the whole thing. Where I think yeah. they, the guy had the angle. He might have tackled him 10, 15 yards further down the field if he just went straight. Yeah. But he was thinking home run. Kimba, thank you very much. Yeah, he feels the same way yeah. that we do about NC State. It's going to haunt us. It is. The way, um, you know, the team that now, that shall not be named beat us in the final play last year. That one just, it, it hovers yeah. over you. Different quality opponent. I get it. J.C. Williams, thank you very much. Thank you, J.C. Circle back, J.C., if you've got a question. Clayton, again, Mike was handed ashes and has built a foundation. If we finish strong with four more wins, two being Miami and UF, this team is improving and on schedule. I, Clayton, I mean, I, that's great perspective. I mean, I, I'm probably being too negative here, and I know I'm probably buying into all the fans, and I'm up, still upset about last week. But that's a great point, man. If you get four more wins and you beat UF and Miami, is anybody really, you know, at eight wins, is anybody really upset? No, but what they are is they're rightfully a little bit upset or frustrated that you could have gone what further. could have been. Yes. Which is, that's good. You want, you want those questions being asked. You don't necessarily yeah. want it to be, well, I don't know how the hell we pulled that out of our you-know-what to win eight games. We'd rather say, but we could be so much better because that's recruits get fired up about that. Just yeah. like we're fired up at Z-Chan. Z-Chan. DMD of Warchan TV. Lots to be proud of. Lots to be frustrated about. We have to get off the field on third down, especially third and long. Yeah. Is it coaching, players, play calling, combination? No call in today. Got an early morning in the house of the mouse for my son's birthday. Yeah, I heard he was uh, pregame. He was tipping you guys he was in disney good good father there being with the kids good Thanks, man Z -Chan. Z -Chan. yeah the third down i mean I, I think a lot of it's just personnel on those i mean yep a couple of the third and longs but they had a lot of short short and very manageable and you got a quarterback like that who's so big you got shipley you've got you know pretty good line mm -hmm. that's just tough to beat and you're beat up up front you know i think it's a different story again we keep talking about fabian love it i think it's a little different maybe they don't pick up a couple of those short third and shorts if fabian's out there but it's yeah. you're not at full strength and they are and they're oh. they got some good players i'll relay z chan what uh, d rob said during the watch along which is they're in position to make these plays you that's just gotta make it oh you yeah, ask 
That's all you can ask. That so yeah, therefore it, it rules out a little bit of the coaching. It rules out a little bit of the coaching issue. And I will say, I wonder if, if Adam Fuller has a little bit of the double birds to uh, the media and people who are critical of him, like me, that there's a third and long and he drops McClendon in coverage and he cleans up Will Shipley in space. I was ripping him for having McClendon as a spy or whatever against mm-hmm. LSU in the fourth quarter. So nice play, McClendon and uh, Fuller. Hat <laughs> tip to you on that one. No buck 83. Thank you very Thank much you. for your contribution. We appreciate you. And uh, Ben, is that it uh, for the present time? Nope. No, Sin. Thank you. Hey, it's been a minute, Sin. How you doing? Don't mind the fake punt, but didn't like the play call running into the line. Don't know how Benson only had one carry the second half. Sometimes we seem to forget what was successful mm-hmm. in the first place. I feel like Gene, you're gonna uh, you're gonna like that particular part of the comment. What what do you think about? Him? Yeah, I think Sin and I think alike on that. So, you know, I just I think that in that short pass, quick passing game, I think those are the things that we're working for. Look, I, I get occasionally taking a shot, not on a fourth down deep down the field to Johnny Wilson, but occasionally when you see that one on one, you got it. You got to go vertical occasionally, but man, stick with what works. And it seemed like they got away from that that second middle of the second middle of the third when things were getting out of hand. It's almost like they got in panic mode. So, yeah, I agree 100%. So, Carol just put in there, we'll, we'll get to, oh, man, Matthew. Matthew, uh, thanks, Matthew. A lot to be proud over this team. They don't quit. Getting the double dose with Clemson fans would have been nice, but at least we get Braves fans here. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, they're a little shot over the bow to Corey. That's, uh, well, that's Philadelphia Phillies fan. Uh, oh, I didn't realize he's a Philly fan. That is Director Matthew, for those of you that watch a lot of our <laughs> programming. He decided to spend a, a Hamilton just to rip uh, on the Braves a little bit. I think that was the the official. Uh, well done. Yeah, 100 proof football. Trying to call in now. Got a lot to say. Go Knowles. We will get to you in just. We're going to open them up here in a minute. That's right. Carol uh, put in the comment section as uh, and folks. I do want to note something. There is a, a, a little computer glitch going on with Streamyard. Director Ben just got kicked out and came back. You saw Gene went full screen. <clears throat> if we have that issue, we'll be back as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, I've already yeah. been booted once. Uh, but uh, Carol said the fake punt was not a good look. Here's the thing about that particular call, and Dominic and I discussed this. Fake punts, there are times, Gene, where you know there's desperation on the other sideline, and that's when you are alert to a fake. Mm -hmm. You know, in the national championship game against Auburn, everybody knew it was going to be a fake punt. Florida State hat, they couldn't kick it back to Auburn in that moment. Carlos Williams was just faster. Well, I was going to say, but as soon as you said that, well, it's a difference between a guy like Carlos Williams, who's like right. a 4-3, 4-4 guy getting around the edge. I mean, Florida State doesn't have that kind of – or maybe if you would have done that play with Deuce Span or somebody right. where he's run around, I would have a better thing with it. You're running into the line. I understand the thinking. Yeah. Things are getting out of hand. You need something positive to happen. So yeah. I get that. But, yeah, the play call, I had a bigger problem with that. Yeah, I, I just think that it, it's everybody knows it's coming. You might as well almost run a play rather than run, yeah. run a fake, you know, a, a standard offensive play. Uh, John, thank you for the contribution. He says Benson is a tank. He ran like one in the first half. He's been on and off with how decisive and, and he tough. had one play where he danced around. I was not happy with yeah. where he took about a two yard loss and it looked like he could have gone ahead and gotten a two yard gain instead of a dancing around. I didn't like that. But other than that play, he ran well all night. He did. Uh, ben is back with us in the back room, so I'm going to instruct him to take one more. This will be our, the final commercial break that we take for the evening. And I'm then the phone lines, up, right? I'm going to fire up the phone lines, folks. It'll be available on the other side of this break. We'll put the number up after. We just got to push some ones and twos to make it all happen. So we'll be right back in just over 60 seconds. This is Warchant Game Day postgame call-in show on Warchant TV. Something big. Something huge is taking over the world. 
of chicken sandwiches. Zaxby's new signature sandwich with Zax sauce or new spicy Zax sauce. Because the chicken sandwich war ain't over yet. The new signature sandwich, it's taking over. And it's only at Zaxby's. Warchant.com has been the definitive home of all things FSU sports for over 20 years and is now part of On3, the next generation network. Warchant.com has the most experienced, tenured, and largest staff on the Florida State sports beat and now features innovative resources, including an NIL database that projects player value and a truly aggregated composite recruiting ranking system that will set the bar in the industry. There are no words to describe the perfect pairing of Zaxby's hand-breaded fingers and our 12 delectable sauces. But there is a sound, and that sound is mmm, mmm, mmm. The Zaxby's Chicken Finger Plate with endless sauce abilities, only at Zaxby's. The phone lines are live, and folks are calling in to Warchant Game Day's post-game call-in show presented by our friends at Zaxby's. They own the day. Z-Chan back from the top rope. I saw that. Go ahead and you can wipe that back up, Ben. Uh, what does Z-Chan have to say? Listen here. We don't want to talk no Braves talk. Understood. <laughs> Look. Back you, and forth, man. The battle's going on between Matthew and Z-Chan. If you two want to super chat your way into uh, a real fist to cuff, <laughs> and feel free to do it. You know where the button is. But uh, the phone number to call is 850-805-5911. The lines fill up fast. Do not be discouraged if they are full. We will do our best to get to you over the next 30 to 45 minutes here on the War Chant Game Day postgame show. I see somebody is already in the queue, and we are going to Eric Angel. He is a pillar, and he's calling from right here in Tallahassee. Eric beating Gary Kirk for the punch. Welcome to the program, Eric. Go ahead, fire away with your thoughts. Hey, Tom and Jane. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's hey up? Eric. Hey, oh man, I tell you what, well, I mean, we, we showed fight tonight. I mean, there was some bad uh, calls as usual, our guys in the zebra, mm-hmm. <laughs> them HCC reps, I tell you what, man, golly, they make me drink like a fish out of the sea, <laughs> all those bad calls, Jesus Christ, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, we showed fight, I mean, we weren't really expected to win this game, but, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, how do we regroup coming, you know, we got a bye week. I mean, what what do you guys say? I mean, you think we can – I heard Jeff say we can win the next five games, but, man, I don't know, man. That's a lot to ask for. I'm thinking seven and five would be, you know, good to, for this team. I hope if we you go eight and four or maybe nine and three, but seven and five and six and six, that would be very disappointing. Yeah, Gene, uh, how would you forecast it right now? If you're going to yeah. set over under for the season win total at four and three with five games left, where would you go? Yeah, Eric, you're talking about regrouping, but I think one thing we've learned from Mike Norvell, these these guys are not going to be phased by this. It's not like they're going to be down and not play as well in the second half of the season. I'm more excited. This seems going to be a lot healthier, in my opinion, coming back from the break and get some key players back and some players that aren't playing at 100% will be closer to that after having the time off. I mean, you know what Jeff said about the next five games, I think you're going to be favored in four of them. Uh, right now, I think there's a good chance of that considering what we've seen from Miami and Florida and having Georgia Tech at home. And then Louisiana is pretty much a gimme. I think at Syracuse is the only one that you go, eh, it doesn't look too good right now, especially up in the dome. Right. Um, you know, I I still I, look, I think 
I think if I had to pick a number right now, I'd say seven seven regular season wins. I think seven is pretty fair to think that they can win three games uh, down the stretch here. So, I mean, that's still, again, we're going to go back to that NC State game. It should have been eight, or if it's eight, it should have been nine, whatever the case is. But, you know, I don't think, I think they're going to regroup. I think they're going to be a stronger team in the second half. Eric, any other yeah, thoughts on tonight? No, Tom and Gene, I know you guys are busy. You guys appreciate all your guys' hard work and stuff. Ah, well, we appreciate you, Pillar Eric Angel. Thank you, Eric. For the call, man. He sounds down, and I understand Yeah, we get it. We get it tonight. We're feeling it, too. It's uh, three-game losing streaks are not easy. This one looks a little different than the last 84 three-game losing streaks Florida State's had, it seems, in the last five years. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, And we'll see what the bye week can do for Florida State in the way of getting healthy. Now, he has contributed to the program a ton tonight, Gene, in the chats during the uh, watch-along. And he's calling from Wyoming. This is 100-proof football who has decided to take advantage of calling us on the War Chant TV post-game show. 100-proof football, nice to talk to you. Thanks again for the support tonight in the chat, and feel free to fire away with your thoughts. Howdy, y'all. I've listened to you guys for a long time, and uh, big fans and first-time caller, long-time listener. Just got a, I, I got a bunch I want to run through in a short time, but I just want to say, uh, man, if we had a field goal kicker in the second half, do we go for it on fourth and a fourth down? Do we take the three points? And I'm wondering the way Mike Norvell calls these plays, if he would have gone for it with a good kicker because he likes to take those risks. Also, I'm wondering when's the last time we had a crossing route in the end zone? Every time we throw to the end zone, it's on one of the corners. The last time we threw a crossing route was an interception at the Wake Forest game. No play call before the uh at the end of the fourth quarter uh, end of the third quarter that's a free timeout as time was expiring i love mike norvell but there's a lot of uh, he, he is great at at building team chemistry getting them to believe but the play calling is driving me a little crazy i'm drunk as hell I've been <laughs> drinking that weller whiskey all night long baby that weller bourbon i was screaming at the team out at the tv like Hey, throw it back to Johnny Wilson again. He didn't get yeah. it. The first half. Well, he he did the same thing, and he did what I said, and it was incomplete. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm drunk, but Mike Novell, is he drunk? Because he did the same thing, and then when he went for that fake punt at in his own side of the end zone, it seemed like a give up play. There's so much game left to be played. There's a little bit of of game management that's, that's driving me crazy with this young coach. I believe in what he's doing. The co- the team believes in him, and I love how he's rallying the team. The last thing I want to say, and I love War Chant. Everybody subscribe. It's only $10. Y'all better get on it before it goes up in price. But, y'all, why were the stands empty? Half yeah. empty in the fourth quarter. That ain't That is not no football. The same people that want to rush the stadium, if we'd have beat Clemson, were the same people that left the stands before the game was over. That's not Seminole football. You be there and you yell till the game is over. We still were in the game had we got the onside kick. Goal knows. I love War Chant. I love everybody. I'm going to let y'all answer. I said a lot of things, but they all make sense. Much love. Goal knows. 
Love it, man. 100 proof. Please call back again. I mean, you're one of my favorite callers. Ben, you might want to save that one. We might want to roll that separately down the road for that's an outstanding call. 100 proof. And I love he, he's living up his name. He's getting hammered, drinking away up yeah. there. So, well, good call, man. He brought up some really good points. So, yeah, that that bothered me and has to bother any fan. The, those empty seats. You know, of all the games, what drives me nuts, Tom, is I'll sit there watching Miami games and they go out of their way to never show anything above the second row. Because they don't want to show that empty orange bowl. We were getting blimp shots the whole second half yeah. showing all those empty seats. But that doesn't excuse the fact, what in the world are these fans doing? Well, I think it started with the student section. They're the most fickle bunch, and they always will Ooh. be. But then uh, it yeah, matriculated. It was like doing the wave, the wave of ghosting the stadium. And it, it got into the sidelines, both groups. I think maybe when they came up empty, Gene, um, on the fourth down, Maybe that was the final straw for some people, but I agree with you. They you don't know. watch college football. You see every Saturday there's a game like this where a team – I mean, heck, the Florida yeah. State was an onside kick away from maybe winning that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they get the ball in that situation, who knows? Maybe they go right down the field and, and – uh, All you need is a touchdown, extra point, you win the game. Yeah. Uh, well, how about that? If Fitzy had that kick for the extra point, wouldn't that be the most nervous extra point? Oh, my history? God. Imagine if oh, – no, I don't want to go there. Just, but, I would uh, like to have been in that position to see, but – I love 100 proof football. He made, he right. made some really good. Okay, I'm curious. So let's let's break these down one by one. So the he talked about the crossing routes. My opinion of that is, and I see this a lot watching college, watching NFL. When you got these smaller size quarterbacks, it's hard to make those, especially in tight spaces near the goal line. Yeah. It's really hard to make those throws. Those balls get knocked down. You saw that a couple times tonight with Jordan that he's not big, and these big guys come in like this. It's hard to get that ball. That's why you go out where there's more space. I don't know. Are you seeing something different or you think that's, uh, that I leads just, into it? If you've got a crosser on one side of the field, let's say you've got two guys lined up next to each other and they're crossing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, let's say to the to the field or the boundary, that doesn't take a whole lot of time. But crossing routes over the middle, that takes yeah. forever. I, I don't think you've got enough time there. The one thing I'd say is if he had, uh, he asked if he has a good kicker, would he still go for it? I think fourth and two from the Clemson 31-yard line, the one that Jordan took the shot to Johnny and had it you broken up. That. I honestly think he would go for that. You know, in most, I would, I would disagree hundred percent. If you had a good kicker, if you had a Guayo out there, um, you cannot pass up automatic points. You just can't do it. So I, I, I totally disagree with that. And I know, and he may be right. You may be right that Mike Norvell seems yeah. to go for it on fourth down a lot more than I think he should. I think there's a balance between what Jimbo would never go for it, Novell, who always seems to go for it when in doubt. But man, when you have, we won't know until Florida State gets a reliable kicker because I agree. Yeah these last couple of years when he goes for it because you can't trot that guy out there right now. Yeah. I, I, again, yeah, that's me just playing Mike and, and getting into his mind, but what, you know, it, I would like to know the, the answer, Gene, because that yeah. means Florida State has a good kicker. Uh, I, I'm drunk. Is Mike Norvell drunk? It, you're correct. I saw that made it into the chat. That's one hell of a line. Uh, you could pull that back up uh, if you can find it, Ben, but, that is, yeah, there it is. I'm drunk as is Norvell drunk, all-time great line. Sam Knight, bringing it strong tonight. 100-proof football, everybody. Uh, we'll see him again from Wyoming. I'm glad he is living the uh, the the name, too, Gene. If that was from Provo, Utah, or something along those lines, it would be very, <laughs> very disappointing. We now go to a frequent caller to this program. He is on the air for the 25th time. Silver anniversary, there you go. Under not the greatest of circumstances in Long Island, we're talking to Josh. Josh, go ahead. Welcome to the Warchant uh, TV post game show. So how does this how does this night end any worse? Yankees lose on a walk off. Florida State loses 
with this nonsense. I mean, hey, the Gators well, lost. There's something positive. Yeah, the Gators lost, and Miami almost lost. But that, yeah. yeah, there is something positive. Um, so where do I start? I, the, I've been thinking about how we we have these lulls in the middle of these games or towards the end of these games where we just get outscored and we look lifeless. Like LSU, we were outscored like 13 nothing, and then Wake, it was like 28 points straight. Uh, NC State was like 16 points straight, and then tonight was another one that was like 27 points straight, and we just don't have answers. Every like, And it happens almost every game, and then we, we get happy a little bit towards the end because it's like we're fighting back. And it's just it's it's demoralizing when when like you 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 see that like and that, I don't want to hear that anymore that we're fighting back but like we're giving up 28 points in the middle of those games and that's 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 something that we shouldn't do. Set, second point, um, you know I know everybody's getting on the offense offense offense, but like and I was looking at the box scores too. It's just towards the end of the game. Like if you look at the last score, we're giving up eleven play drives, seven play yeah. drives, eighteen play drives, and they're taking off like six, seven minutes of the final part of the game. And you know, I know we're talking offense, 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 but like when we really need a stop, we don't get a stop. Yeah. We don't ever get a stop. Like not like a three and out, not even like six plays and a punt. It's like they drive all the way down. And then we're hoping to do something in two minutes. And then, um, you know, the third thing that, that is annoying, and I know the last caller brought it up, is the, the, the fans leaving. Like, the, the, the fans got to know they're lucky. I'm in a foot, college football desert in New York. Mm-hmm. And the closest team I have to me is Rutgers. So you guys are lucky. I have been down to Florida State twice. And I and I always am begging to go down, but my wife is telling me no. But you guys are lucky. Stay at the damn game, all right? Be there until the lights shut off. Because if you're really a Knowles fan, you will be there until the lights fall off, until the wheels fall off this thing. If not, just be a fair-weather fan and go to Miami and go to the beach and then watch mm-hmm. it at a bar or something. That's it. But other than that, again, more chance, you guys do an excellent job. All 25 of my calls have been for the post game. I love it. And we will be good again. We will be fine. It's just right now I'm just a little pissed off because I don't like moral victories. I never am a person like that, and I hate it. But love you guys, man. Have a good one. Thank you, Josh. Josh bringing it strong from Long Island. I feel the emotion. I feel I, you know, I agree with him. I don't know, Ben, if you can pull up the stat broadcast and go on, because I was looking at this while Josh was talking and go to the uh, the drives chart. When you go to there, and you'll go to what Josh was first talking about, and that is the just the lull. These teams go on these runs offensively against Florida State, and it's it's a look at that. Look at that Clemson on there after first series, and look at that TD TD field goal TD TD field goal. I mean, that's just you can't do that. Yeah. Six straight drives, and he like he mentioned. I mean, seventy three yards, seventy five yards. I mean, thirteen twelve. You, you know. Three of those were 13, 12, and 11 plays. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to tear your defense up. And I can't even imagine there were probably like seven of seven on third downs or whatever in those series too. I mean, and that's been a recurring theme, Tom. He brought that up. Even the games FSU won against Louisville and LSU, it seemed like the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third quarter, I don't know what's going on with this team, but 
they seem to have these lulls, especially on defense. And I don't know what it is, but it's it's been a recurring pattern all season. Yeah, I, you know, the thing I'd say, and, and I know Josh is feeling the emotion of the situation, so we, we all are to a degree, and so we get our blind spots. You know, the defense made a lot of stops in short field situations last week against NC State, you know, one of which was after the ridiculous punt. Um, yeah, but they had a horrible offense. They did. I, oh, I get that, but I mean, you know, it, it, you got to stop somebody at some point, and yeah. the defense did rise to the occasion. Look, I get they're down 28 to – 7 28 13 against Wake Forest but Wake Forest is still trying to move the ball there's a lot of clock left and they put the offense in position to go win the game it's just they're not playing together I think that's the overriding thing here is we talk about complementary football one feeding off the other it seems like one is always succeeding in spite of the other they're never they're never succeeding mm -hmm. it feels like at the same time and putting things together think about the wake forest start gene they go down the field the offense scores seven nothing the defense gets a stop in that moment all right offense it's your chance to fortify the lead doesn't happen next thing you know now the defense has given up score after score after score and then it'll be vice versa you know the uh the offense uh the defense gives up a score the offense can't answer it's just mm -hmm. they don't seem to be playing in sync and so you have these isolated moments where the offense is dominating for a quarter and the defense is not, vice versa, and so somebody picks a side and they say, "Well, I like this coordinator more, so therefore, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on blaming the other side of it." It's just when you're a really really good football team, these things work together, mm -hmm. and and it, and it hasn't worked together in three weeks. Some of that is the degree of difficulty for the opponents, and some of that is just you know poor coaching in certain yeah. circumstances. I'm not then, gonna... they have, then they have the lull in the middle of the game when neither side is on the same page and you get these right. crazy runs. You go this, you had a 20, nothing run for Clemson. Well, that's ball game, right? You know, exactly. you, you can't do that. I mean, not against a good team. You can get away with a bad team, but not a good team. I just think it depends on how your mindset goes or whether you like Mike Norvell or Adam Fuller more. And I know that, you know, the approval rating for Fuller is lower than Norvell, but it's just, it seems like we have divisions where we pick sides on, you know, who to focus mm -hmm. on more. But this is a football is the ultimate team game, and special teams wasn't great tonight either. Ooh, you know, no. like all, all three had their moments where they put you in a position to not win the football game. You could blame the defense for six straight possessions of scores. You can blame Jordan Travis and the offense for not executing on a fourth and two and then turning the ball over inside of two minutes. You can blame special teams for the opening kickoff in the second half. For what you said, Gene, they end up scoring a touchdown on, for, on a 93-yard drive, but why are you having to go through a 93-yard drive when it's a kickoff to start mm -hmm. it, the missed uh, – oh, well, you can't trust your kicker, so therefore you're calling things differently in Clemson territory. And Not then, fielding a punt at the end of the – and little things like that, all right. those hidden yards. Correct. And so for each phase of the game, you can probably list five to seven things that piss you off. And I just – you know, when, when you're not winning games – you know. When you're not winning games, then you're going to focus on all of those things and pick whatever phase that you hate the most. We now go to Atlanta. We haven't talked to this gentleman for uh, two years now, but it's Abraham in Atlanta. Welcome to the program. You're on with Gene and Tom on the War Chant postgame show. Go ahead, Abraham. Hey, Gene. Hey, Tom. How you guys doing? Abraham, we're, we're hanging in there. Okay. Well, you guys, I just want to thank you guys. You guys have been doing a wonderful job. So thank you guys for, you know, just – uh, being very analytical and uh, just, you know, trying to break down what's happening with the Seminoles. Uh, my feedback for all this is when we hired Mike Norvell, he was a good AAC coach. 
And now we're playing like a good AAC team. We're not playing like a top ACC team. And that's who we hired. So why are we mad now when we're playing to the capacity of the leader that we hired? Uh, there's some positives with him. For example, that thing of quitting on the big stage that started with our loss to Oregon in 2014, Mike Norvell has turned that around where the players don't quit on themselves like they did with um, Jimbo and Taggart. But now the question is for us to get over this hump, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say this, but either we give him seven to 10 years to grow into that championship coach, or we get someone else with championship experience. I'm sorry to say that. So you the, the major flaw that I see with this coaching is that with Taggart, Taggart was trying to be the player's friend. With Norvell, he's trying to be their daddy. And unfortunately, there are times when you have to run your team like you're a CEO and you have to bench players that are not performing. And that's a challenge that, or rather, that's an opportunity for him. So, Abraham, to, I appreciate it. Yeah, Abraham, stick yeah. with me for one second. So, just to clarify, you're saying that. If you don't hang on and extend Mike for the long term, that he has maxed out what he possibly can do with Florida State. He has to grow into this because he's yeah. not on that ACC level, and he needs to grow first to that ACC level, then grow to become a national contender. So he's two rungs below where we need him to be. And all right, well, yeah, I want to Abraham I want to time to grow. And there's no guarantee that he'll, he will grow. Well, no, there's no guarantee anything. Well, Abraham, let me ask you this before you go. And I think it's fair what you're asking right. about this because that's my fault, Gene. I was quick on the trigger. Cut him off. Okay. Well, no, but I think it's fair what he's saying, but I don't think we know that. You look, I think we can all agree he took over. The program was complete trash when he took it over. It, personnel wise, culture, everything was just complete garbage. We've seen the improvement. You know, they were five. They only won five wins last year. Realistically, right now, they're right, probably going to be around seven this season. Maybe they get eight. Whatever the case is, we in anticipate an improvement. So if he keeps improving every year, which means next year, what is it going to be? Nine, I mean, nine wins next year. I mean, if you keep having this growth in wins and you keep seeing improvement, you know, the eyeball test, how they're practicing, how they're recruiting, how they're getting people in the transfer portal, all the other things that go along with it. I mean, it's going slower than maybe people want because I get it. It's Florida State. We are all used to this team being elite, being dominant, being in the, the national conversation. It's not right now, and it's incredibly frustrating. But you're seeing strides. They're baby steps. It sucks. But I don't see that slowing down. So I, I don't think it's fair to say that right now. If he ends up being a 6-6 six and six team and they go 6-6 six and six again or 7 wins next year, then maybe Abraham's got a point. Maybe he has maxed out. But I... I just think it's too soon to make that call when progress is happening. Yeah, I agree with you, Gene. Now, here's what I'd say, Abraham, is we we both agree, you and I, Abraham, agree that he's got to grow. Yeah. Like, you know, the, there is growth to be. There are, he is rougher on the edges with a lot of things he does. Yes, there's growth to be shown for Mike Norvell in the next year or two. I agree. I just don't think that he has reached his limit 
and so therefore either you wait seven to ten years or or you're, you need to cut bait now i think he can make that 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 growth happen in the next year to three years while you're getting better players you might not even notice some of the growth that needs to happen but there's I, there's tangible proof that he's taken this program in the right direction i don't think he's done growing and i don't think it's going to take seven yeah. years for that to happen that's the only difference but we agree completely that there are certain aspects like goal to go situations where you just think to yourself how the hell did he ever succeed in memphis well, in, in his in-game decision making in close games against yeah. quality opponents he Correct. seems to have some issues there but the thing is look we learned on the job tom you're probably a lot better doing hosting shows and doing what you do than you were five, 10 years ago. I think I'm better running a business than I did before people learn in yep. being around Mike Norvell. You get the impression like he is a guy he's a, you know, he's not like a lot of coaches that have their way. They're not going to change. It's my system or whatever. Um, but I, I think he has the potential for growth in him. So I'm not willing to say he's maxed out. I fully agree. I fully agree. So we go next to Navy Knoll, who has been a frequent caller this season. And we're happy about that. Navy Knoll out in the state of Washington. What you got for us tonight? Welcome to the program. What's going on, fellas? Hey, hey Navy Knoll. Uh, I guess I just want to start this conversation off with saying I really do believe that Mike Norvell is the guy for the program. I, I think he's, you know, done a great job. But uh, I kind of wanted to flash back to my expectations before the season started. You know, I feel like I would have been happy with a bowl game because that's uh, improving as a team. And I, I, I believe in the hype of this team, you know, after going four and uh you like to think that the, you know, the P word was possible at one point, but uh, you know, it, we haven't beat a ranked team yet and hopefully you can beat Syracuse. And uh, I just kind of want to hear you guys thoughts on that. And I also wanted to get some input on, we saw Mike make the adjustment in making the uh, the the throw up passes to Johnny Wilson in the end zone, the fade routes. But why do y'all think that we kept Toa Feely in the game when we were in the red zone instead of Trey Benson when he was doing so well? I think he was probably averaging eight yards a carry at one point. Okay, that's uh, that's a good point. But to, and I guess it's a lot of that too. I'll say one thing about. Look, Benson's a bigger guy. He's got the capability to do a lot of things guys bounce off him. But Tofilio has been running hard. I know he's a lot smaller player, but he seems to hit the hole a lot harder. You worry about Benson if he starts dancing in that backfield when you're on the goal line. That's going to be a problem. The one thing I was happy that he did in the goal line, Tom, that he's done a lot of weird trickeration is going old school and implementing a fullback with Lundy. And, and the quarterback tried to tackle him, and he's still got in the end zone. So I liked that he adapted. He got a fullback. He went old school to do that because, I mean, this this trickeration they're doing, and Jordan's not a big enough guy to do those quarterback sneaks. Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. 
whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Yep. So, I mean, I was happy with that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'll get your thoughts. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, Gene, to point that out because I still I have so many flashbacks and, and recent memories of goal to go play calling where you're just going, what in the hell are you doing? But tonight they, they did go back to the fullback dive. And you're right, even though the footwork of it was completely terrible. <laughs> And if that was NC State on the road, there would have been a fumble and somehow returned. Oh, of course it would have been, yeah. And uh, I, like I said, I love the place of Johnny Wilson. They're showing you one-on-one out there. Yeah, Their yeah. 5'11 cornerback is one-on-one with your 6'7 guy. I'm going to throw that four times in a row. Now, I noticed the third play, they might have run it again, but the safety shifted over. I go, okay. Yep. Clemson's like, we rolled the dice too many times. We're going to get burned eventually. So they rolled the safety over. Well, I didn't, I didn't like the play where they then ran it to the short side. I, I, I hate that on the goal line, but they do that crap all the time. But that's where, you know, talking about the throws to Johnny, make it a catchable ball. This yeah, that, yeah, it's on Jordan. His catch radius is massive. I mean, gee, it is. It is. If you walked up to Johnny Wilson on the street and you said, can yeah, you yeah. Give, can you do a little yeah. sunshine circle for me? You would be astounded. Yeah. At how big of a strike zone that is. Like the worst umpire in baseball. Uh, yeah, don't worry about underthrowing it a little bit. I mean, there's nobody else there. The safety, yeah. all, everybody yeah. else is on the other side of the field. There's, yeah. It's a one-on-one. Yeah, he's open in those moments. You do that Just, practice every day. You have the one-on-ones. That's what it is. Anything catchable at all and in those situations. I think he wins uh, You know, both of those, both of those throws. Uh, and then the question about Toa Feely, Gene, I think you're absolutely right. Look, you know, watching last week at NC State, and then earlier on in this game, Toa Feely in third and shorts moved the chains twice with really tough runs between the tackles. Wow. It's a dimension to his game that his size doesn't suggest is there, but his play tells you that he can do it, and he is more decisive yeah. if he needs to be and more situationally aware than Benson is. I think that's the right move short of having somebody else. Benson is just a little too tentative, and you don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. And wouldn't Treshawn be in there if he was healthy? I mean, he's probably the guy that more yeah. often would yeah. get those carries. And to keep it, look, I think it's a great thing about I, I love what Toa Feely's done because remember last year, he got in the doghouse. He was tentative. Mm-hmm. He kind of lost his mojo. And to see him do a 180, it's so it's so great to see him run like that. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine. If Treshawn's not there, I think that guy who needs those tough yards you don't like it physically, but he comes through, and that's Toa Feely. Yeah, that's where I wish DJ Williams didn't transfer. I liked him in that situation yeah. in the spring, but uh, c'est la vie. We now go to Chicago to talk to Steve. Steve in Chicago wants to talk about Florida State's defense. This is his first call, as far as I can tell. Welcome to the program, Steve. Hey, Tom, Gene, how's it going? Oh, hey, Steve Matthews. Yes, sir. Hey, hey What's Steve, up? Where, where are you from in Chicago, Steve? Where do you live out there? So currently, Buffalo Grove grew up in Mount Prospect. I know okay. you're you're from around there too, aren't you? Yeah, I grew up in Crystal Lake, out in the boonies. Okay, yep, yep. 
North suburbs represent. Yep, yep. What you got? So, I don't know about you guys. I was just super disappointed with the defense tonight. So, the offense had gotten some of the momentum in the first half, and the defense just kept giving it back. And that Clemson offense just is not that impressive. I mean, Shipley, he's a baller, but the rest of that offense is just super average. And... I was just very disappointed in the defense tonight. Yeah, I hear you, Steve. And, hey, listen, I appreciate you making a a call here for the first time. That's one of the nicest Knoll fans you'll ever meet if you meet the Matthews, and I hope that your dad's doing well, Steve. Uh, Yeah, that six-drive sequence. You know, they're hung out to dry dry on the short field on the kickoff return. Uh, A lot of those other drives, however, are stoppable. Um, and you're right. There are fourth, fourth downs, uh, third and longs, and you just can't get off the damn field. And the hard part is I'll come back to this again. This is what Dominic Robinson, who's got a much more keen eye than anybody else on staff is telling us is that these guys are in position to make the plays in many of the circumstances. There are miscommunications. Those things happen, but in many of these circumstances, the scheme is putting the players in position to make plays. They're right there. They just, are not good enough to finish the play. And And that's hard. And I think that was especially evident on those first two touchdown drives that went 73 and 75 yards, and they just, they grinded them out. They were converting those third downs on third and threes, third and twos. You did not have the personnel to bow them up at the line of scrimmage and hold Shipley, hold DJ to a point where they, they seemed like every time they would fall forward for just half a yard enough. I mean, hey, the one play where I could have swore he was short and they made a measurement and he made it by an inch. You know, Florida State just is not good enough at the point of attack right now to stop teams like that. So, I mean, that's frustrating. That is on the defense. But, again, I'm going to go back. You said what what D-Rob said. They were there to make plays. But personnel-wise, they just weren't good enough to get those stops. So, those were two drives on those. And a couple of the other drives were set up by horrible special teams. Yep. So, I mean, you can blame the defense. But, I mean, the special teams has to take part of that blame as well. Yeah, I think in the second half, the defense is not to blame at all. In the first half, you know, those sequencing he- those sequences heading towards uh, halftime were just killer. But, I mean, you-, you look at from the third quarter on and where the ball starts in these situations. And Yeah, the two the two scoring drives from uh, there was an 18-yard field goal drive and a 31-yard touchdown drive. That's it. That's all they scored on the second half. Exactly. Florida State actually wins on the scoreboard in the second half. That doesn't matter, though. I'm not no. again, I'm not playing the moral victory card. I'm just saying that it just seems like these two sides of the ball don't meet up at the same time to go on an epic run to put them ahead in, in an insurmountable way. Maybe they will after the bye week. We now go to Nashville. We last talked to this gentleman back in April. It is Brian in Nashville. Welcome to the program, Brian. And I see you have a question about Jordan Travis tonight. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, it's Ryan, but... Um, oh, Ryan? Oh, Ryan. Sorry, um, Ryan. All right, yeah. Ryan. And, but I want to thank you guys because uh, everyone at WarChan does a great job. Um, you know, for being a college town, it can be a lot worse than what you guys do. You guys do like a major market and do an outstanding job with everything that you do. Thank oh. you. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate that. So... Um, Gene, I'm kind of like you earlier. I'm not as upset with this as much just because I think this is a game to where you just don't have the horses. Um, I think of one play to where they threw out into Shipley in the flat and we had three guys out there to make the tackle and he just runs right around them. <laughs> so I don't know else kind of, uh, I guess what we can really do. Um, 
I'm not a fan of our defensive coordinator because I think he has a lot of Charles Kelly uh, in him. But um, my main problem that I'm just seeing, um, and mainly with Jordan, is I think we need to stop this talk about how he, you know, if he's going to go to the draft or, you know, where he would go or head in that direction because I see a lot of things where I just don't think he's NFL ready. Uh, for one thing, every time you get hit, you can't act like XRM and act like you're injured or something for a while. Um, you got to be able to get up and, you know, so show some toughness. And then tonight, I started to see this last week as well. He started to do a little bit like what we saw with Francois, which is he, he rarely ever keeps and he always gives on the zone read. Yeah. And, and especially with the zone read tonight, and this might be on Mike, why in the world were we running in the direction on the short side of the field when we were inside the 10 as opposed to, you know, going to the right to where you have a lot more field? And if it's Jordan, you have an elite athlete in space with a guy and trying to, you know, make something there. So I didn't really understand that. And then some other things about Jordan I don't like that I saw tonight. Um, and granted, I know Clemson has a great defensive line is there's a lot of times he just took off and just ran backwards when he started to feel pressure instead of, you know, trying to, to run around the tackles. And I would even think with the way our offense is now, you just give them say like, Hey, you got to count in your head. If it ain't there, you just need to take off and go and just get what you can because you're our most elite athlete on the field. And we need to take advantage of that. He started to do it on the final drive and we got like a second and one, but Definitely in the second half, it was too much just hanging out back there. And it's like, look, we don't have the tackles. We don't, we're not there yet to where we can just have you stay in the pocket the whole time. So that's just my thoughts. And I'll pass it over to you guys. Well, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, he made some good points about uh, Jordan. I mean, to me, it looks like he's, I thought a little bit in this game again, it could be the caliber of the defense, but, you know, saw early on the LSU. You know, early in the season, it looked like we were saying, hey, this is a new Jordan Travis. He's not only an elite quarterback who can run and do all these things, but he's actually throwing all over the place, making reads, making progressions. It seems like he's kind of regressed a little bit. Now, we'll the last couple of weeks when I've seen him play on some stuff, um, we'll see on that. Like part of it, I understand when you're saying he's not doing stuff. A lot of times there are sometimes where they just had horrible blocking. So, suddenly someone's in his face and he's trying to spin out of there. And sometimes it makes it worse. But I remember he had a play down near the goal line on the other end where he spun out and ended up running for a first down. So you take the good with the bad. But, yeah, I mean, one thing Ryan hit on, and I mentioned it earlier, that drives me nuts. And I see it in, even in the NFL at times. And that's these – you get near the goal line, you run to the short side of the field. And you talk to coaches and say, well, we have to be honest and blah, 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 and we can't always go one side. But, man, when you're in a position to score and you got a mobile quarterback – Go to the field side. You get things, you know, gives you more options. It gives you some more space to operate, throw the ball. Especially it looked like on that play in particular that I think Ryan's referring to, it looked like they were stacked on that side of the field too. It wasn't like there was something open over there. So I didn't have a big thing with that. My guess was he was going to Johnny Wilson on that third down play. The safety shifted over, and then he just opted into that play. So, I mean, I guess the safety went to the right, so he decided I'm going to go to the left. Yeah, no Kev is weighing in here, too. He was saying he was preaching patience here. Three losses to three top 25 teams by a combined 15 points. Run the table, 9-3 in a bowl, drop one. Um, breathe, no fans, breathe. JT not tough. Yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, I think it, it's somewhere in the middle. 
Um, I didn't expect to hear an XRM reference, a Xavier Raton Mays reference in, in the War Chant game day post game show of a football program. I apologize, folks. I, did, I was not prepared for that one. Um, I think I agree with a little bit of everything. I disagree with some things, but here's one thing that I, I vow is I will ask Dominic Robinson next time we do the watch along show about running into the boundary and what's the benefit yeah. of some of those circumstances. I get it. I get it when you're out in the field, yeah. you know, further back, I understand it's not as crowded. You got to keep the defense off balance, which you're going to go, but I see it and I see it in the NFL. So it's not just Mike Norvell doing Correct. it. I see it all the time. It never seems to work, right? But they seem to do it all the time on those. So yeah. And, I, and look, I think, I don't know who's talking about Jordan Travis to the NFL, but no, that's, on, That's not happening. On the short side to your sideline, between the 20s, you want to do it so you can prevent substitutions for the defense. And, and that's part of the strategy that goes in. It's just such a long way for a defense to substitute, especially if you want to run tempo. Uh, and college football's hash marks are wider. Like, I get all that. But down near the goal line, at, you know, that's that's a situation where I totally agree, Ryan. Uh, and then the Jordan Travis stuff, I, I, listen, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of school a little bit here. But when we talk about Jordan going to the next level, it's not that we are assessing Jordan. At least I'm speaking for myself. When I say this, I'm not assessing Jordan as a professional quarterback today. I'm parroting some of the things I'm hearing behind the scenes, which is he expects that this is it. You know, that this will be as good as it can be. That He's getting older, and so maybe it's time to move forward and maximize whatever it is that he can do at the next level. But, Gene, you're correct. If this regression or whatever you want to call it continues for the next five games he'd be better served to come back for another year of seasoning in, in college football that's for sure yeah. I'm just I'm just saying that I think when you hear the conversations about what will he stay or will he go it's not about what we think it's about you know well, what the player thinks and you see that in basketball with one and duns all the time yeah but let's let's be let's be realistic right now I mean he's best case he's probably an undrafted free agent look yeah. he comes back <laughs> If he comes back for another year, he's going to get a decent NIL deal. He's going to be able to put some more money in the bank. And then if he goes another year, he's not hes not going to be any worse unless he gets an injury or something. He's not going to be any worse off, and he might even be better. I mean, you can say he's maxed out. If, if he's maxed out, he's never going to make it in the NFL. So my right. thing is stay another year, put some money in the bank for the NIL, and then you got your shot in the NFL. I don't see the downside of doing that versus going out, being an undrafted free agent, probably not making a roster and – your career's over. So again, I'm just being this day and age of NIL. I don't think it's as simple. It's just, Oh, let me give it a shot now. Cause I don't think I'm going to do much more in college. Gene, if there was an advisory council wing of warchant.com, you and I would be in total agreement. If this was our clients uh, stick around, the NIL thing exists. Now you might yeah, make yeah, rising spear get on that. So yeah, exactly. We now go to Orlando for the first of two calls in Orlando to the four Oh seven. We are talking to Daniel in Orlando. Daniel, new caller, welcome to the program. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, guys, how you doing tonight? Hanging Daniel, in. we're doing. I'm glad you guys hanging out there. You know, I'm not really disappointed about tonight's game. I kind of felt like, you know, uh, kind of echoing the sentiments of a, a couple callers before we probably didn't really have the horses to hang with Clemson. Um, I do have a couple concerns right now, though, about Norvell and his coaching staff. I mean, I feel like, it's been a culmination for me of a couple years, but these three games have been tough. I think especially the last one against NC State, that was just a complete meltdown in the second half. I really felt like we were the completely better mm -hmm. team in that situation. We let yep. that one get away from us. I honestly thought going into these three games set that that was our best chance to win. But tonight, I just kind of feel like, you know, Clemson could have been on the sidelines holding a, 
the cue cards up with a battleship and Robert E. Lee, and we just couldn't stop Shipley. I mean, it was just kind of ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if we were, I got to go back and look at the tape. I don't know if we were out of position. I don't know if he was just that good, but it just, it just seems like it was just killing us. But I mean, over the course of last couple of years, especially uh, this year, I think uh, we all got a little bit dated from the 4-0 start. Um, some of the teams that we played apparently are not that great. Um, but I, there's been some questionable calls over the last three or four games that got me scratching my head. I mean, I go back to the LSU game, not kicking the field goal before the half, uh, all the shifting they were doing in the fourth quarter that almost gave that game way down there at the goal line and then running some kind of jet sweep or pitch. Um, it's just always something that makes me a little bit concerned. I mean, is this guy – you think this guy's going to be able to be a power five coach for us? Is is this just an anomaly or is this just growing pains? Can we get over this? All right. That's a good yeah. call. Daniel on the road, uh, maybe back home to Orlando. Go ahead, Gene. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's kind of what we talked about earlier. And I think Daniel makes a good point. And we had a call earlier talk about that is he can be able to go, you know, be a power five coach in terms of these coaching decisions in key situations in these close games. And so far he has not done well there. He's improved the program. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, we all, ha- we t- mentioned it earlier, he has to learn on the job. We think he has the capability to do that and get better in these situations, but he's right. There's been a lot of questionable stuff, but I think I, I agree with him in the beginning. Clemson said, well, we'll bring on our, our special guest here in a minute to talk about this. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of questionable calls on Florida state's end, but Clemson was the better team. They were the healthier team. They got more personnel. They got more NFL talent. That team, the Florida State does. Yeah, and we're about to bring on our managing editor and special guest. But I have to say, you know, part of me fully agrees with the fact that Mike Norvell needs to grow. And and there are certain things where you just say, man, again, red zone calls, situational mm-hmm. calls, and you just scratch your head and you say, what are you thinking, dude? But he is a Power Five coach. He is already a Power Five coach. He's here at Florida State, and he's improved the culture and the roster. It's not just the culture. The players are better. The players are together. They're in games with top five teams in the country. The games that they would have been blown up by 52 years ago. The improvement is happening. So if you want to say, can he can he be a power five coach that takes this team to a playoff? All right, that's a fair. Or wins the Atlantic division. Aim smaller. Wins the Atlantic division, goes the ACC championship. Fair question. He's a power five quality coach, period. It's just the question of, to what extent is he a power five yeah. quality coach? Is he a winner at the power five level, a conference champion level guy, a playoff level guy? These are questions That's to be CBA. sorted out. But he's done enough already for me to say that, dude, yeah. he's not a group of five guy. This is a power five guy. We just need to see how successful he will be. And we now turn it over to the managing editor of warchant.com, who is uh, coming to us from, oh, look at that. Those are the practice fields. They, uh, they've got him closed off. Ira Chauffel is here. Ira, uh, it looks like it. Ira's call it getting us from prison there. Ira, that's yeah. kind of a scary look there. That's what that's what I thought it would look like. I thought maybe it was fitting. I mean, that's that's where uh, I thought I was going to need to call for bail uh, midway through the third quarter, uh, but I got released. That's why I'm out here. the the last uh, The last quarter got me out of jail. Yeah, as you would expect, a lot of upset fans. Not as upset as last week, Ira, but uh, some of the things. I guess I'm curious what the overriding theme is because you can look at. You know, the onslaught at the middle of the games again, man, they just got slaughtered. Clemson scores with six straight drives in the middle, had 20 unanswered points. I mean, you had some of the questionable play calling going in there. You had all, again, the special teams. I think they're well over 100 
hidden yards that were lost between not fielding punts, penalties, Clemson long kick returns, all those things. So I'm kind of curious, what was the overriding thing with the media and then speaking to Mike Norvell and the players after the game? Well, it's tough with the special teams plays. It's tough to get too mad at Micah Pittman because he's been such a huge upgrade. Yeah. Uh, he let one drop and it was, it was not good. But he also had a really nice return, and he's been so much better at that than anything they had last season that it's hard to get too mad at him. And then the kickoff coverage, yeah, they gave up a 69-yard return to start the second half, which was huge. But they've been great all season. The kickoff coverage has been outstanding really all season. Uh, just picked a bad time to have one. And, and the reality is the way FSU's defense has played after halftime the last two games, maybe it just <laughs> – Get off the field quicker. Bit. Yeah, exactly. But – um. Yeah, you know, I think the the uh, you know the main question to me about this you know for this team going forward is like how do you process what happened tonight? Because on the one hand, yeah, you lost, you lost for the third straight time. At one point, you're down 20 points in that game in the second half. It looks like you're about to get blown out. On the other high, the other side, you look at statistically, you put up 460 yards of offense against that defense. You ran for 200 yards against that defense. They averaged six yards of carry against that defense, all that. And now it's not just garbage time. In halftime, it was the, the difference was I think Clemson had 247 yards of offense. Florida State had 237 yards of offense. You played toe-to-toe with them for really about 55 minutes of that game. But it was that little sequence before the end of the first half and in the start second half where you let a tie game become a 17-point game. And that's the difference in the game. This team is not good enough to have these mistakes. They, they're – their margin for error is still pretty small, and they've made some mistakes, and that's kind of come back to kill them really in all three of these games. I would say at least two of these games, I thought you had the better team and you lost, and in all three of them, if you play a clean game, you might win all three of them. So that's got to be frustrating for them. It's something they got to fix in the last uh, five games of the season. I'm curious if the uh, the fake punt attempt was discussed in the post game. And again, I don't. I personally didn't have a problem with it. I didn't like the call of just running into the right. line like that in that situation. I was saying we talked about the you know the famous Carlos Williams one in the national championship game. We got a guy who runs a four three going on the end. I'm a little more excited about that than that play call. So, I, I, what was the discussion yeah. on that? Yeah, I mean Norvell just said he was trying to come up with a spark, um, and you know he felt like. The, the defense was on the ropes, um, and, uh, you know, he felt like if the offense couldn't generate something in the answer, that maybe that would give them kind of a, a boost and get, get the team. I think, you know, to, to make that decision, I think you have to be worried about how your team's going to um, – your team's mental state. I think he was trying to manufacture something. Maybe he was worried that they were teetering. Ironically, they go out and do get a stop. Um, and so they, you know, they, and they played much better the rest of that game. Um, but I, you know, he just said he was just trying to create a spark and, you know, it backfired on him just like a lot of uh, crucial calls, like your last caller said. I mean, I think the, um, you know, there's been a lot of pivotal moments for this coaching staff in the first six or seven games where in the big picture, you you're playing better. You're playing so much better than you did a year ago. Uh, but some key situations, some key, when you go for it or not go for it, go for it on fourth down, go for it inside the five yard line. A lot of those things have, uh, just come up empty for one reason or another. One thing I want to ask you about is not so much what happened on the field, but in the stands. I mean, they made, they showed several times in the second half, how empty that stadium had emptied out, which is just, it's, it's baffling to me uh, in that situation when Florida state was down just six points at the end. I'm thinking, what kind of stories is this going to be? They come back and win and 
30% of the fan base left the game. Well, they didn't until it got to 20 points. I mean, at that point, that's when they started bailing. I mean, when, you know, and look, man, it's, it's, they, it was dismal. I mean, you know, those last two or three drives give you some hope and give people reason to, you know, believe that this last five games can be better than these last three. But, man, sitting in that stadium watching Clemson play and the way Florida State was self-destructing, I mean, so I'm not going to blame anybody for leaving. They were down 20 points. It looked like they may lose by 40. Um, so that's what happened. It wasn't like they left at halftime or when they got down, you know, 10. It was when they got down 20. It hurt that, you know, they ABC didn't mind having all those blimp shots. You never see that in frickin' the Orange Bowl when Miami's playing. But of course, Florida State, it was blimp shot after blimp shot showing all those empty seats. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, and it, and it would have been, look, man, if, if, the, if they had come back and won, could you imagine that? Well, that's what I was thinking. All the stories of all the people yeah. that left. No, yeah. no one would have said I hung around every single person because I remember that for the choke and doke. Yeah, I still run feel I never left the game. I never, I've never run to one person who actually left the game in the choke and doke. Twenty 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 two is a little different than. Yeah, uh, it's a little yeah. different feel, I suppose. Good point. That's the thing where uh, I think about uh, one point seven five million people have claimed that they were at the choke and doke, <laughs> even though the stadium held about seventy seventy five thousand. So Ira, I guess. After this game, it's three losses in a row. They all look a little bit different. Do you see any trends, overriding trends, uh, from these three losses that you can tangibly put your hands on as you're cultivating a 3-2-1 column? Are they all different? Is it somewhere in between? What's your take on the way Florida State has lost these three games to their ranked foes in the ACC? I mean, yeah, there's definitely a sim- one similarity, obviously, is the fact that you made some crucial mistakes that have come back to haunt you. The, you know, the fumble right there before halftime. You're, look, Clemson scores, they go up uh, three, and then you know they're going to get the ball to start the second half. So there's some some optimism of or some incentive to try to go down and answer, either get three or maybe get a touchdown. So you get to midfield. But on second and 12, I just don't think you can have the quarterback drop back and put be in a position where you could take a sack and lose the ball. I mean, that's, you just can't have that happen. It's much more important to me – at that moment, to not just protect the football. That's more important than getting three points back there or getting seven points back there. Um, and th- so that was a, just a huge pivotal moment, and that's what this team has had in these last three games where they've just had some situational mistakes that have really come back to haunt them. Uh, but I do think this game was different to me. Uh, the biggest thing I wanted to see in this game, especially after what we saw in these last two games, the first half against Wake Forest when the offense was struggling, we saw panic. We saw the whole offense, but especially Jordan Travis, seemed to kind of get out of sorts. And then the second half against NC State, we kind of saw the same thing again. When things started going poorly, and they started having empty possessions. Jordan and the offense started getting frustrated, and they started pressing, and they couldn't make plays. Tonight, I thought maybe it was because they got down 20, but I thought the fact that they never really seemed to get rattled, even when the, when the, when the offense was not playing well in that little stretch, they stayed together. They put together some good drives. So I think that was a growing moment. Uh, for Jordan Travis in this offense. So to me, that's a big positive. Um, but the big negative takeaway, the big takeaway from the negative standpoint is you just can't, this team has doesn't have enough margin for errors, certainly against a team like that, to have some of the mistakes they've had in terms of blown coverages, blown assignments, bad decisions here or there. They just have not played. And, and I thought what you saw, give Clemson credit, man. Not only are they more, t- more talented than you, they don't pl- make a ton of mistakes. And that's where Florida State's got to get to, where they just don't make so many mistakes. So, Ira, going into the bye week, last thing I want to ask you about, um, 
other than getting healthier, which is going to help you because, you know, a lot of those situations, how many of those third and shorts, when they seem to pick up every single one by an inch or half a yard, you don't have Fabian Lovett in there. You get some of those other guys on that side, Robert Cooper and all the little healthier. I think that's going to help you. And even Jared Jackson was, I guess he was out for this game too, which was a little bit of a surprise. So other than being healthier, what else can they try to do in having these close games where they seem to keep making mistakes where they can regroup? Because this next five games, is really going to – because you lost these three in a row, even though we've said over and over on this thing, at worst case, you ought to be five and two right now. But the reality is you're four and three. Um, how the season's going to go down is how those next five games are going to go. So this is a crucial bye week to get yourself right. Yeah, no, I think the, the health is a big thing. There's no question. Um, because we talked about it in the pregame show with Tom and Jeff that, you know, this was a team that you could tell early in the week was still kind of worn out from this, this stretch so far. So then they come out and they play hard, have a really a four-quarter game tonight. So this bye week is important from a health standpoint. You might get maybe you get Fabian Lovett back, maybe you get Winston Wright back. Um, there's a you know you, there's a there's a few guys that can definitely get healthier as well. Trayshawn Ward's a guy who maybe we, he'll be able to get back. Uh, Norvell did say that Fabian uh, was close at the end of this past week. Um, he just couldn't go, but but you'd like to think he'll be back to start next week. And then if you get Jared Jackson, a few of those guys as well. So. I think that's the biggest thing. But but really, to me, my biggest concern going into this game was if you lose this game, especially if you lose it ugly, does it carry over and doom you in these last five? Because, look, if they win four out of these last five, which they definitely could, you know, you're still eight and four. That's a yeah. good season. That's what we were – that was the goal everybody had before the season. Heck, if you win all five, you could be nine and three, and that's not off the table. But you can't let the disappointments of these three losses – kind of tear you apart. And that was one of the things that I thought Derek McClendon was really good after the game talking about that. And, you know, he was asked, like, what do you guys have to do now? And he said, man, we just cannot let this pull us apart. We have to come closer together. And I think, man, I, I think that performance, especially offensively, is going to do a lot for them because nobody has run the ball on that Clemson yeah. defense. Nobody has put up that kind of yardage and points other than Wake Forest did the points, but it wasn't that – it wasn't by running the ball at them. Um you know, I think that's going to do wonders for them. And then now the defense just has to clean up um, some of the mistakes. I thought the secondary did not play well at all, especially in the first half. And that's got to, that's got to get better. Um, but but overall, I think that there's some things you definitely can be encouraged by right now, as long as they don't let these three losses kind of tear them apart. So, Ira, I'd ask, uh, finally, final thing from me, I don't know about Eugene, but uh, this multimedia empire that Gene has built, known as Warchant.com uh, and Warchant TV, what can folks expect in the next 24 to 36 hours? Because now we're covering a bye week. It's not just about wrapping up this game, but it feels like this segment of the season is done. So uh, what are folks going to be looking forward to on the site and then in the coming days? Yeah, like you said, we, we've got plenty of coverage tonight. We actually uh, got an interview uh, tonight with Terrell Buckley, uh, which people can look for. Uh, he was honored tonight at the game for going in the College Football Hall of Fame. Austin wrote a story, and there's a video from that as well. Um, but we'll have complete coverage. Corey's column is already up or is written. I've got to go post it on the site. Um, I'll have a three, two, one coming. We'll have a story about the running game. And then we also, the nice thing about the bye week is it's really well timed is we've been able to do a lot of interviews the last couple of days in baseball and basketball. I've got a long Q and a with the new pitching coach from baseball. Uh, we've got a couple of basketball stories coming as well during the bye week. And then they'll get back to practice probably by Wednesday, maybe Tuesday, but if not, then by Wednesday for football, we'll get back to football coverage and, looking ahead to these last five games. 
Yeah, and I'm guessing I might have a roundtable with the staff kind of looking back at uh, the highs and the lows and, the, the you know, what are we looking ahead for the second half of the season for football. Yeah. So it's a good opportunity to kind of look back what's happened, where FSU is going with this program. He is the managing editor of Warchant.com. I hear the voices going a little bit too, so uh, we will uh, we will say thank you so much, Ira, for your time out stadium side at uh, Doe Campbell and the practice fields, and we will catch up with you on Warchant TV and at warchant.com pretty soon. I've got a sneaking suspicion, Gene, that if uh, if you've got a, a hunch there's going to be a roundtable, then there probably is going to be a roundtable on warchant.com or two in the uh, in the coming days. And maybe some videos will work in there too. But yeah, I, I do like I like the timing because it is it's a little past midway point, but you're kind of mid- it's a great time to kind of kick back, yep. re- you know, reflect on where they've been, the good, the bad. So there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack. So usually we get in those game modes. We can't really do that. It's hard to have time to do that. So this is a perfect opportunity for it. We have two callers left in the queue. No new calls, please. No new calls on Warchant Game Day's post-game show presented by Zaxby's. That damn uh, ira went so long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a quick word from our friends at Bud Light and Triangle Sales and then a break to take, and we will come back, wrap it up with your thoughts to these final two callers. So hang in there just a couple more minutes. But, folks, do you want to score a VIP fan experience to the FSU-UF game on Friday, November 25th, courtesy of your friends at Bud Light and Triangle Sales? Well, of course you do. Okay, good. Text Bud Light Fan 22 to 855-297-9460 for a chance to win sideline passes, hospitality passes, two tickets to the game, plus Bud Light and FSU fan gear. Once again, for those of you that are listening on the pod, Bud Light Fan 22 is what you text, and the number is 855-297-9460. For those of you on the uh, Warchant TV feed, you can see it right there. Make your football season epic with Bud Light. Must be 21 or older to enter. For complete contest rules, visit tryeaglesales.com. The final couple of callers, our final thoughts on the Warchant postgame show presented by Zaxby's coming up right after this. Something big. Something huge is taking over the world of chicken sandwiches. Zaxby's new signature sandwich with Zax sauce or new spicy Zax sauce. Because the chicken sandwich war ain't over yet. The new signature sandwich, it's taking over. And it's only at Zaxby's. Warchant.com has been the definitive home of all things FSU sports for over 20 years and is now part of On3, the next generation network. Warchant.com has the most experienced, tenured, and largest staff on the Florida State sports beat and now features innovative resources, including an NIL database that projects player value and a truly aggregated composite recruiting ranking system that will set the bar in the industry. There are no words to describe the perfect pairing of Zaxby's hand-breaded fingers and our 12 delectable sauces. But there is a sound, and that sound is mmm, mmm, mmm. The Zaxby's Chicken Finger Plate with endless sauce abilities, only at Zaxby's. We head back to the phone lines as we wrap it up here on War Chant Game Day presented by Zaxby's to G. Jackson in Orlando, who has been waiting patiently for nearly a half an hour. G. Jackson, thank you so much for your patience. Welcome to the program. Good to be talking to you for the first time in a couple of weeks. And go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, 
just have a couple of thoughts here. Uh, G. Jackson, Gennaro Jackson, former player, played oh, at yeah. 97 through 2001. All right. Um, walked on as a receiver, uh, got a scholarship, moved over to free safety. So speaking from a former player's perspective, I'm hearing a lot of callers talking about the talent level and we're not there yet. Based off what? Because what I see in these last couple of games, we got the players. We got the players, all right? So my biggest issue is when it comes to the play calling. The reason I say we got the players because the fight that you see and what you're trained as a Florida State player on finishing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think the coaches need to take that same mantra and apply it to their play calling. They need to finish. They need to put the players in a, in a position that we can win the game, okay? Case in point. We're in the red zone. I don't know which quarter it is, but we throw, you know, two fade passes to Johnny Wilson, right? We don't get JT out on the edge to make the defense commit. He's a threat. We saw that in the last however many minutes of the game when we went down to score two touchdowns. When he runs the ball, he's the biggest threat because he's a pass threat and he's a run threat. Why don't we get him on the edge to make that play, right? And if you're going to throw the fade to Johnny, have him post up, all right? You throw it to the back edge because probably because of what we, what we, what we suffered in the NC State game when we had the, 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 the interception. So Travis probably thinking, okay, I need to throw it to my guy or throw it out, right, so we don't make any major mistakes. I get that. But if we're paying these guys millions of dollars, you make that call when you know you got a play that's going to work, right? Case in point, Clemson. That tight end sat in there, blocked, he snuck out. How many times they got us with that tonight? No adjustment, right? They came back with a trick play, had the tight end sit, block, and then he sneaks out and gets in, get open, gets a touchdown. Why can't we draw a diagram? Why can't we have a play where we, where we play against our, our, our player's talent? We need to get JT on the edge more. We need to get him out in space more. He's running more. I think he's over the injury. You can see that he's more fluent in his running. He causes a threat. The guy's small, but he's quick. Clemson was at their breath. They was on their knees, right, in those, in those final seconds. We got to run them around. So that's my thing. We, we, we talk about the growth of, of, of Mike, uh, Mike Nor- Norvell. I, I, I think Mike Norvell is the guy. I, I, I support him. But what I don't like is I think he gets tight in moments. Because we've got to have better plays in these moments. Play to your player's strength. Those guys are going to rise up and play. We've seen that time and time again, time and time again. We know the defense is weak on the back end, right? But we know that the, the offense is on the fight. Why don't we draw plays to highlight that, opposed to looking for a miracle? We can't do that. We pay these guys millions of dollars. The boosters put money in. We're going to have a new facility next year, 2023. These coaches got to step up, all right? They got to step up. They got to. 
It, it, it can't be all on the players. NC State game, hands down. We dropped too many passes, made too many players' mistakes. In this game tonight, had to be the play calling. Had to be. We get in the red zone all the time. We got to make a strike. Okay, you got a scholarship kicker that, that's not kicking well. But he's on scholarship. Make him earn it. Put him out there. Make him earn it. He got to. He showed you in practice what he do. You can't automatically just cross that guy out when you went 20 yards in a, a, a chip shot field goal. Okay, we miss it. We miss it. It is what it is. But if we hit it, we three points down, right? Because we scored two touchdowns in those final minutes. We got to play to the player's strength. To me, it seems like Novell is opting out and he's going with, okay, we don't have this kicker, so here's what we're going to do. If you're going to do that, you need to spend time with making sure that this play is going to work. That's what Clemson does. Yeah. They saw that tight end. They saw that we had him. They saw that we had that tight end every time, and they what? They went back to that well. They went back to that well until we dried it out. We have to do the exact same thing, all right? Minimize the reads on JT, put him in space, and work to his strength. Stop putting him in the pocket and making him throw. When we drove down every time, Wake Forest, NC State, and even this game, it was quick releases, it was quick passes, it was getting J getting the ball out of JT hands. That's mm -hmm. what he excels at, yeah. all right? Okay, if you want to get onto the next level, it's time for that. But we're trying to win games right now, all right? Yeah. Straight to yeah. his strength, all right? Make the defense run east and west. Make them think about the whole entire field. Make them think about that quarterback threat. Did they have a spy guy? I, don't, I, I didn't know if they had a spy on JT tonight. I wasn't sure. I was trying to see. But apparently, even when he was in, in trouble, he was able to get around these guys. So that speaks to the level of talent that he has. Yeah. He was able to get round Clemson, right? Clemson ain't that ain't no cupcake team. They got speed <laughs> no, everywhere. No, not especially not on team. defense. No, no yeah. Well, we appreciate the call, G. Jackson. And thank you. Uh, obviously, always love talking to former Knowles who know a thing or two. I remember Gennaro. Yeah. I remember him at Florida State. What it takes. Um, now, there's a lot in there, Gina, and I know the thing that you agree with most is in the red zone, a goal to go. If Jordan's legs are a threat, somebody's coming open a lot. He, he, he makes a great point, man. Go to his strengths. His strengths, yeah. first of all, it's not sitting back in the pocket trying to read yep. in a tight area with an elite defense. It's just not a good thing for him to do. I mean, roll. I mean, I love when he has an optional RPO going, especially to the the uh, field side. The option yep. to run, option. Yeah, you know, we saw it in the touchdown to Jakai. I mean, that's that was they put him in a situation to succeed to emphasize his strengths where early in the game, I don't know. I, I still don't have a problem with the, John, the Johnny Wilson throws, in my opinion, were Jordan not executing. And he, Gennaro makes a good point. He's probably going, I can't underthrow this. But one was to your 5'10", 5'11", guy who got pushed off his route. The other's a six foot seven guy. I mean, you've got to realize it's a different situation. You can't, just don't overthrow him. That's the one thing you can't do in that. And he did it two, two times in a row. Yeah, the other thing is I like that he has two ideas that seem like they're competing ideas, but they're really not. He says he thinks Mike Norvell is the guy, but that he seems to tighten up in big moments. I, I You can have agree. I think that's that's perfect. That's a, And you mentioned it earlier. You said he is a power five coach. Yes, he is. If you go to yeah. all the check boxes, there's a lot more than tight games against a quality team. 
your decision making. Well, that is a part of being a power five coach. What you know, it also is organizing your program, working with the boosters, right. recruiting, getting in the transfer portal, working with your assistants, all you know, getting your players ready, game plan, scripting, doing there's a hundred other things. And we see this stuff, and Mike Norvell's really good at those things. Yes, there's a couple things he really needs that he's weak at right now. We're hoping he can grow into those things, but that does not mean he can't coach because he's struggling in one aspect of the game. Agreed. And if he was 65 and making these mistakes, that's oh, a little bit different. Yeah. I'd feel Hit the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Marcus, thank you for the contribution. We've got some other people to hit to. Not yet, though, Ben. I appreciate it. We now go to our final caller of the evening. It is Seminole Wind 8792 calling from Pensacola. That's got to be the handle on the boards. What's going on, Seminole Wind? We talked uh, during the Duquesne game, I think it was. Welcome back to the program. Hey, hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, my, my real name is Justin, by the way. I, I gave them my handle. Um, nice. First of all, I want to thank you all for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller. I'm a proud dollar member to Warchamp. <laughs> all right. Spending the big bucks. Um, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think G. Jackson made, made a lot of great points, um, and I agree with a lot of what you all just said and what a lot of you, you guys are saying. Um, Man, I have a lot to tell our fan base, though. See, I, I think right now, I think we got a lot of irrational fans. Um, and I and Jackson, I would disagree with you right here. We don't we don't have the players yet. We we have skill guys, but here's our issues. This this is my humble opinion. I'm a huge college football fan, and and I I try to watch unbiased, and I watch for the intellect of the game. I like to learn about it and see. Here's what I see about our team. When I watched this game tonight versus Clemson, um, first of all, our fan base needs to take it easy on Mike and our coaches and take it easy on, on Jay Trav because our coaches, yeah, they're going to they're gonna go through growing pains because, like you all just said, they're young. They're not, they're not Nick Saban and they're not 70 years old yet. They're, they're, they're in their 30s and 40s. So they are going to learn, and I, I have confidence in them. Um, for, and then first of all, or second of all, Jordan Travis, is he not one of the most electric players you've ever seen with the ball in his hands? I mean, gosh, I really, we lost the game, but I mean, especially those last two drives, that kid, you can't, you can't sack it. When, when he, when he avoids the first tackle, good luck trying to get a sack or a tackle. Um, but our issue, in my opinion, is our lines of scrimmage. We, we are not going to take the next step in becoming an elite team. I, I agree that we are, we're, we're a, a fringe top 25 team, but to become an elite team, we have to fortify our lines of scrimmage with talent, which they are bringing in. We, I mean, guys go look at the, the recruiting boards. We are bringing those guys in. We need a few more elite guys on the lines and we're going to be fine. Cause right now look at our lines of scrimmage as we ha as, as they are. They're with the talent that we have. They're injured. A lot of our stars are injured. We lost Bless here. We, you know, we lost offensive line in the beginning of the season. We lost defensive guys coming into the first few games. Like, look at the guys we have on, the, especially like the, the the defensive line. Like, we're playing some young dudes. And then, like the game tonight, I think it was just one in the line of scrimmage. Like, look at Clemson. And and then here's another thing. We took a, a good shot from Clemson. I mean, if you if you watch that game, you watch Dabo and his coaching staff. They were coaching 
like they were playing in a big-time game. They did not overlook Florida State. They knew what was going to come at them, and they played it. I think we took a real good shot from Clemson, and I am just – I am on par, I think, with where we are. I think they're on par, and we did okay tonight. I mean, we played a good game. I mean, and then you had Dabo after the game talking about how you know what good of a game we played and talking about Mike, how good of a job he's doing and how their defense gave up some plays at the end that they shouldn't have given up. But you think about this, the elite teams, and this going back to a few other callers that talked about this, the coaching decisions. The elite teams, even even the broadcaster said it tonight, the middle eights are where the elite teams get you. The elite teams, like y'all said earlier, they, they don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves, but the elite teams going into halftime and then coming out of halftime, which is where we have struggled this year, they make the plays in those critical moments to set themselves up. See, look, we had a 14-all game, and then they just blew it wide open, and we weren't able to get our footing until the end of the game. We ran out of time. We're okay. This team is going to be okay. We're recruiting the players, get a few more guys like Hakeem Williams and Armella and guys like that, and, you know, we're doing okay. We just need to keep going, doing what we're doing. We got a lot of teams coming up that we're going to be able to beat. Clemson, to me, Clemson looks like a bona fide top five team. And we held our own against the top five team. And so I just think some of our fan base, we need to chill out, you guys. <laughs> we just need to chill out and just look at the team from a big perspective. Hey, and I'll say this. I will take this team over some of those lost decades teams that or lost, lost decade teams that underperformed. We had the talent, the, the five-star, the blue chips, but we underperformed. I, I will take this team any day versus some of those teams because this team, they fight. They fight till the end. If we had just a few more elite players and if we had those coaches making just a few more tweaks and good decisions in, in prime time, I, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I really do. Well, we appreciate the call, Justin. Justin so, nailed yeah. it, man. Our callers have been bringing it tonight. You guys are outstanding. I really it makes you know. I, I went to this thing like you guys not. Ha- I'm still not happy, but I just it's it's cathartic for us to hear each other. The callers just they're all just brought some great points tonight. Justin simplified it is what it is in football. Nine times out of ten, games are won or lost in the line of scrimmage. And the other day, Clemson's better there. They got better talent. They're deeper there, and they're healthier there. And it's tough to beat teams when you can't win that battle. But that being said, as much as bad as the offensive line was for Florida State, and they're down a couple starters and another starter is probably at 50%, you still ran for over 200 yards against an elite defense. So there definitely are some encouraging signs, but he's right. I think Florida State, he said, borderline top 25 team. You're a few elite players away from maybe getting up to that level of Clemson. Then obviously in the coaching, not making those critical decisions too, but also help. Yeah, the key is that you got to win enough games to get those players in here. You know, they're already they already yeah, have one hell the of, egg. they've got one hell of a pitch to you know stud or up and coming defensive ends, for example, in the portal. They can say, look at what we've done the last couple of go arounds with Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, and now Jared Verse. Look at what you could do here. So mm-hmm. you know, if, if you've got a kid like that and he's considering the Florida States or the Tennessees or wherever. I think you've got an NIL NIL package that can compete, but now you've got bona fide tape and you're not showing them Memphis tape. You're showing them Florida state tape. And you're saying, look at these guys, here's their bank account. Come here and Mm -hmm. get the training. If you can make that pitch to more high school kids effectively, 
to go along with the NIL presentation, which has nothing to do with the university at all. It's amazing how these things work in tandem these days. If you can get those things to work together and you get those players on campus, then the thing that Justin is talking about is true. Because then when Florida State is in a position to close the game out or come back, you don't have to get fancy. You just call a run right up the damn middle like Clemson did to close out the football game, Mm -hmm. and it's going to work because you can road grade at that point. And I do love a lot of the young players, Josh Farmer, Patrick Payton, Daniel Lyons, who's coming up as well, Julian Armella on the offensive line with some of those other kids that are part of this class. We're getting there. They're getting there. And what they're doing is they're they're punching above their weight class on a night like tonight against Clemson. That's the positive. But you got to win enough to close these deals and to get these kids to come here, Gene. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the – you just said it, the chicken or the egg. It's – you've got to win enough to make sure that these kids come here to put you over the top. That's why, again, we're going to go back to it. I mean, you want to get how many wins? It's going to be seven, eight, nine wins. There's a big difference in there. Somehow you get to eight or nine wins this season. Woo! Yep. You know, you got a lot of momentum going to the offseason. That's going to help your NIL. It's going to help your recruiting. And then you can start getting, like, you know, Justin talked about, some of those elite players you need to get in. So they're close. Yep. They're very, very close. But they're not, I get it, they're not quite there yet. Let's round it out with a couple of people to thank. And I see you, Mark. Mark is already calling his shot. He's saying Jordan Travis will be a part of this program, and he's going to go up to Clemson with Florida State next year and make it happen. So I hope that's the case, Mark. And that streak up in Clemson, that'd be awesome next year, Jay Trav. We always appreciate your positivity and your feedback here, Mark. Uh, We've got a few people to thank. Uh, Justin, seems like the coaching staff is too conservative with play calling. We make these runs in the end because we push the ball down the field instead of uh, crazy tight play calling. We've talked about that at length, Justin, but uh, I think you can tell by tonight's show that we agree on a lot of these points that things do seem to tighten up in some key moments. It's part of the growth. It's not just the coaching staff. It's not just the players. It's round and round we go. Hopefully they get to be get to be pushed over the top. Yaki Gaddafi, it's been a minute since I've seen you on the screen. Yaki, what's going on? At what point do we give Armella a shot at right tackle? And have Turnitine back up Givens. And yeah, Turnitine had a rough night. I'm guessing his PFF grade won't be great. But then again, he's going up against some pretty good players. Yep. Uh, I I think, I know Jeff talked about it this week on the Jeff Cameron Show, which you can find on WarChan TV. It's getting closer. I am the most yeah. I am the most reluctant to put a true freshman out there to stunt his growth. But the practices I've seen from Armello recently tell me that it might what be. It be. Look, I've not done a deep dive in Georgia Tech yet. I don't know enough about that. But if they don't have really a strong presence there, this might be a good learning game for him to go in. Don't put him in at Syracuse or something the first game, something like that. But, I mean, a game like this, I mean, that might be. If you're going to do it, you got a bye week. This might be the time to get him ready to go. It could be. It could be. And to Marcus, who also uh, – we, we posted that already. But, Marcus, we appreciate – your contribution as well. We'll see. I agree, Gene. The Georgia Tech game yeah. is, is a nice landing spot. If you're going to do it, that's the opponent you do it against. It's certainly not on the road at Miami the following week. Uh, that worked for Big Rod Johnson back in 2014. Oh, and, yeah. And that was his name, folks. But uh, that doesn't work for everybody. Um, well, once again, the final score is 34-28. to 28. A couple of people to thank before we give our final thoughts. Terry, who is screening the calls for uh, well over an hour tonight. A lot of great callers tonight. Way to cultivate that, And Terry. that's all you, Terry. Thanks for getting them prepped. Yeah, they were outstanding tonight. I'm just always impressed by, by how mature the callers are. Usually you think about call-in shows, and you think about those popular ones, and they're terrible. You guys are great out there, so thank you yeah. so much. Uh, for those of you that are new callers or returning callers, you're fantastic. Uh, director Ben, behind the scenes, he's grown up. He's not producer Ben anymore. He's director Ben. 
Uh, thank you so much for your work and uh, to Irish Ophel for joining the program as well. Uh, Nick saying it's 1 a.m. for crying out loud. Go to bed. I yes. think Nick can't turn us off. We have to turn ourselves off for Nick to switch off of Warchant TV. <laughs> uh, Gene, uh, I, I give you the floor. Anything you want, or you could just tell me, shut the hell up. Let's uh, let's turn off the show. What do you want? Uh, I'd like to tell you that, but no, I won't do that. Tom. <laughs> you, you've been great. Hey, you, another long day for you, man. Appreciate all you do. And I know it's nice to all these people giving us thanks. We appreciate We love doing this. So it's awesome. It'd be nicer if FSU would win one of these last three games, give us a little yeah. bit more fun stuff to talk about. But, you know, again, that's my final thoughts to Clemson. Look, there's rough edges. Mike Norvell and the staff have some growing to do with some decision-making. But, man, I, I, I know you don't want to hear it, but you got to be a little bit more patient. They are getting better. Yep. You know, this is two years ago. They lose this game by 50. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're they they're close. They need, you know, to get to that. I know everybody looks Florida State standards are different. Seven, eight wins. I get it. That's not good enough for Florida State. But this is a long rebuilding process. I think they're going to get there. It may take another year or two, but as long as they keep making improvement, albeit slight, mm-hmm. man, you got to just hang in there and ride this thing out. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be a fun ride for the final five games of the season. Hopefully more of these post-game shows than not in those final five will be uh, positive ones and ones that we can all take uh, celebratory phone calls for. Uh, Director Matthew, I saw you chip in there. Director Ben was with a C, not spelled with a K, like uh, your pseudo-German spelling there. But uh, Matthew, uh, <laughs> I see you there. Yeah. Uh, to the nearly 500 of you that are watching right now, just do us a favor if you don't mind on the way out. If you haven't done so, if you've enjoyed the show, hit the like button on this video, subscribe to the channel, but throw us a like. It helps us find more FSU fans who are looking for places to vent and have a therapy session after losses and toast to victory. We really do appreciate all of your support. For those of you that supported us in the chat, that's wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. It's not necessary. As long as you keep the conversation it. going, that's why we're here, because we want to keep the conversation going. So thank you so much to all of you that did. We we really thank you. But then to all the other folks who are just asking questions and having fun with their fellow Knowles, consider also warchant.com. It's 10 bucks through August 31st of next year. If you enjoy the conversation here, the message boards, they're still going to go till four or five o'clock in the morning. And then you start all over again with a new wave of people in the morning cycle. So consider all that we do at Warchant and Warchant TV. And uh, you won't regret regret it as uh, I'm starting to stutter now. <laughs> I'm hey, forgiven. How, how many hours have you been going today, Tom? You're, you're allowed one or two gaffes. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, probably about 11 or 12 with all the other you know, work stuff, but, uh, we wish it was for a victory, but we love it anyway. This is the greatest job in the world. And, uh, thank you to everybody who makes it all the more fun. Gene, I think it's time. Uh, we're going to sign off for the evening. So for the founder administrator of warchant.com, he's Gene Williams. My name is Tom Lang. We're on a three game losing streak folks, but I got a feeling the next time we talk, the Knowles are going to be five and three. We'll see you two weeks from now right here on Zaxby's War Chant Game Day, our fantastic sponsor, Zaxby's, uh, for the post-game call-in show. We can't wait to talk to you then. For Gene, I'm Tom. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Night.